It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? ready? On 97.5, 1280, The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah. Hashtag NBA. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good. Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers. The one thing I wish AD had tonight with the shot that he made, I wish we were playing at Staples. I mean, we miss our fans so much, and I can only imagine. I probably would have blew the roof off Staples Center. AD hitting that shot tonight in Staples with our crowd. I would have loved for him to have that moment because I know what that felt like for me uh, when I was able to hit that shot, as you mentioned, uh, versus Orlando in the Eastern Conference Finals uh, game two at the buzzer. LeBron James comparing buzzer beaters different times in his career. Anthony Davis, who was way too wide open. That was a big old defensive mistake. But nonetheless, he hit the shot. He could have bricked it. He didn't. And now the Lakers are up to zip. Anthony Davis and Nikola Jokic were really good down the stretch, both of them hitting multiple big shots. Davis had a three from almost the same spot with about three minutes to go. They traded hoops down the stretch, and Davis gets the last shot. It's the NBA. Have the last shot, PK. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, The the Lakers hit uh, three last-second shots. Now the other two were against the shot clock. Davis, as you mentioned, and that... uh, Caldwell Pope or Pope Caldwell, I can't ever remember what it is. He had one on the other side. And in those situations, man, just be free and easy because you really can't do anything. I hate as a if I'm on defense or I'm rooting for the team that's on defense, I hate those situations because there's not as much pressure, man. It's just get the ball and shoot it. You don't have to think about anything. And it seems like they just get so smooth and in rhythm and Sure enough, he knocks it down there, and they take a big 2-0 lead. You'd be wonder if the Nuggets can come back from this after that <laughs> devastation. Man, and they really got something going on. Got to feel like they're in a team meeting going, yeah, that was brutal there on that last possession, but it's only 2-0, guys. <laughs> 2 well, is everything. 2-0. They have not been down 2-0, right? They were down uh, the other series. They got a game early. Yeah, But they were still down 3-1 in both of them. So at 2-0, you're feeling like, we haven't even walked over to the edge of the cliff yet. This is nothing, guys. And, of course, in NBA history, 2-0 is a lot. And 3-1 is nearly everything, not quite. But for these Nuggets, who knows? Well, 3-0 is the big problem. Fact. True story. And the Boston Celtics... Avoid 3-0. They are 2-1. They got the third game. They won Saturday night to beat the Heat 117-106. So that is where we sit. They'll be uh, playing game four. See if the Celtics can can even that thing up. You got a lot of hope for the Celtics, or uh, is it just a matter of time before Jimmy Butler gets it done? Uh, I mean, I picked Miami going into it, but I think with Hayward coming back gives him a boost. You don't expect him after being out to be uh, – setting the world on fire in the first game that he's back, which he didn't, but uh, maybe, you know, they look back on this thing where they had with guys throwing stuff at each other in the locker room, maybe that was a turning (laughs) point. I mean, the talent is there, there's no question. It's not like Miami is a world beater by any stretch, but sure, yeah, I give them uh, probably a 50-50 shot to, to win it, even though I'm picking Miami. Now, they're doing a thing in that series where they're skipping what looks like a normal game date. Uh, you would expect him to play tonight on the every-other-day schedule that this 
this postseason is basically stuck to in the bubble as they try to move things along so that the team that's beaten can get out of the bubble and, and get back to the real world. But Celtics and Heat skipping tonight. No game tonight. It'll be the Lakers tomorrow, and then Boston will play again Wednesday. So a little downtime in that series. But, uh Say that again, man. The yeah. East doesn't play tonight. You're playing on this every other day schedule, you would expect it, but they don't. Well, it's Monday Night Football. Right. They're going to play Wednesday. They're going to have game four. And the Lakers and the Nuggets are going to play again Tuesday. Okay. Giannis Antetokounmpo won the NBA MVP award. LeBron James said the results irked him as he finished second for a record time fourth time. The quote pissed me off. That's my true answer. It pissed me off because out of 101 votes, I got 16 first place votes. That's what pissed me off more than anything. You know, not saying that the winner wasn't deserving the MVP, but that pissed me off. And I finished second a lot in my career, either from a championship and now four times as an MVP. I feel a little bit of Michael Jordan coming on, grabbing onto something to motivate himself a little more. Six games from the title now. Uh, Okay. Yeah, go. Good. How about it? DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. Left side, Newton's going to run the ball. He gets hit, he flipped up in the air. He doesn't get there. Clock ticks down. It's all zeros. What a play by the Seahawks defense. They throw their helmets. They are going nuts on the field. Cam Newton, the first time tonight, I believe they've stopped him dead in his tracks, and I believe it was Bobby Wagner who got there to do it. What an end to what a game. The Seahawks win 35-30 to 30 over the Patriots. Wow. Really good game. Sunday night football. Patriots and Seahawks back and forth. Lighten up the scoreboard. Russell Wilson, five touchdown passes, and he spreads it around to five different receivers. Cam Newton throws for almost 400 yards, 397. But he couldn't get in the goal line there at the end. Did you want a little deception at the end, or did you like it? Cam Newton, he's a big guy, and he can run. Why not? Get Let him let him have a go at it. I didn't mind the play call, but the play wasn't very inspiring. I, I think that when you got the adrenaline of the defense all fired up and they know literally they can't let you get a yard, I thought that Cam sort of tiptoed a bit, and he never got that big body going in any type of force. So it was all about the Seahawks' force meeting Cam Newton, who wasn't going nearly as fast, obviously, as he can run. So the execution of the play didn't work, obviously, at all. And so I think, to me, that was a little bit of the issue. You know, maybe you just want to get it, put your head down, and see if they can knock you up. But when you're sort of tiptoeing, you really lose all the momentum of the physical advantage that you may have. I thought you jumped too early as well. You always wondered, uh, when you have a good receiver, how much is the quarterback and how much is the receiver? Now, Julian Edelman, you can say, well, maybe he's had two really good quarterbacks, but he and Brady seem to have a connection. What's going to happen with a new quarterback? Julian Edelman, eight catches, 179 yards. So, he and Cam Newton have something going there. Well, quarterbacks are going to throw to good receivers. I mean, that's not breaking news here. Elsewhere in the NFL, the uh, the Chiefs had some issues. The Chargers pass rush bottled them up there for a while. But the Chiefs hit on a big play and a two-point conversion. And then they leave it to Harrison Butker. It's a pressure field goal to get it to overtime. And then hits 
Three in a row in overtime from 53, 58, and 58. First one wiped out by a penalty, the second one by a timeout. And the third one, he wins the game. So the Chiefs, not one of their glamorous 40-point, uh, you know, 600-yard uh, games, but they found a way to get the win, so they are 2-0. and Along with the Ravens and the Steelers, there's three teams that you expect to be pretty good, and it looks like they're going to be pretty good. Well, Harrison DeChambeau, man, he can <laughs> bomb it. Oh nice. Gosh, that guy is something. I mean, 58, man, no sweat. It would have been good from 64. I love when they do that. Uh, you know, as if everything would be exactly the same. Uh, but then, then the Chiefs got a little bit of a break there. Was it Hill takes off his helmet on the touchdown, which should have been the two-point conversion from the 17? And they don't do that? Uh, that's a black-and-white rule. I mean, I don't understand why they didn't call it. He took off his helmet. You can't do that out on the field of play. And they let it go. It didn't make it. They brought in uh, Gene Saskatchewan there, and he called it. Uh, Gene the, the Steratore. Yeah, my old uh, my own Goomba from uh, Pittsburgh, I think he is. And, Correct. Uh, so I, I don't get why they didn't call it. I mean, that, that, why would you have called that? It's it's so obvious, it's like a red light. It's an easy rule to enforce, you would think. It's kind yeah, of a, really a pretty no simple, clear-cut issue, right? Yeah. I guess if the helmet got knocked off, maybe you could find some gray area. It would just it could potentially make the two-point conversion tougher, and you know maybe the the game changes. Not everything stays the same, but I felt I'm watching that, and you know, why didn't they do that? And and then you know it was fun to see Herbert. We've had him on our show for a couple of years because he's been there for Pac-12 uh, media. I thought he accorded himself well. That pass across his body at the end of the third quarter sucked, uh, but other than that, and first start looks like they got something there, and see what he can develop going forward. It'll be fun to watch him over the next X amount of years to see how good he can be. Coach said after the game that uh, Tyra Taylor's the uh, starter there and that uh, Herbert didn't just win the job, which I think surprised everybody who watched the game. <laughs> but we'll see. You can say anything you want after the game. We'll, we'll find see. out what that chest injury is all about. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I'm not necessarily talking about Sunday. I'm talking in the coming years. I mean, it, he's going to be the guy, I would think, he, he, for a lot of different reasons, talent, trap position, so forth and so on. So say whatever you want now. But, I mean, it's, Herbert is going to he's going to play. You have to play him when you take somebody that high. The Falcons are up 20 to nothing after one quarter. 29 to 10 at the half. They were still up by 15 points midway through the fourth quarter. And yet the Cowboys, incredibly, improbably, come back and win the game 40 to 39. Dalton Schultz, former Bingham High star, caught a touchdown pass with about five minutes to go to get that comeback rolling. And then, speaking of rolling, that was a pretty weird looking onside kick. No tee. It's going to kick it and it's rolling and it's running. I don't, you can jump on it Go at nine get yards. The ball. Yeah, you can jump on it at eight or nine yards if you want. Uh, if you're the if you're the Falcons receiving team without yeah. receiving a penalty, yep. the offense can do it too. But you'd obviously get a kicking team to get a penalty. You know what it reminded me of? I told you this story years ago. My wife was coaching freshman basketball at Cortez High School, and uh, which is the home of Duffy Dyer. Now you may say, who's Duffy Dyer? I get it, backup catcher for the Mets. But how about this? Alice Cooper went there. Is that a little bit better? 
<laughs> it, uh, so anyway, she she tells the player at the end of the first quarter, first half, or what have you, to roll the ball out of bounds to save time. And this is freshman basketball, and both sides had no idea what was going on. And literally, the ball rolled the 94 feet length of the court, and no one picked it up. It literally rolled from one baseline all the way to the other and no one they all stood there and watched the ball roll nobody none of the 10 girls out on the floor i forget who they were playing but none of the 10 girls on the floor had any idea what to do and they literally watched the ball roll i thought of that when i was watching that cowboy situation with the falcons as they all just stood there watching that friggin' football roll and it's like okay now at least if you didn't think you can touch it go stand 10 yards like it's a center jump or something and try to box out the guy, the Cowboys, so they can't recover it. It was just stunning, a stunning play. I, I've never seen anything like it. Bucks bounce back. Now, the Panthers made it pretty easy for him. Bridgewater turned the ball over on the first two possessions, so they got to uh, they got to twenty-one nothing in a hurry, and they win thirty-one seventeen. And uh, shout out to the Packers, who I know it's just the Lions and the Vikings, but man, they've looked really good the first two weeks. Monday Night Football, Saints and Raiders from uh, the new stadium in Vegas. You've driven by it on the freeway, probably. Many of us have in Vegas or headed to Southern California or whatever. It's right there. You can't miss it. 6.15 tonight, ESPN, and you can listen to the game here on The Zone. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. First down, handball, Harris. He steers it to the right side across the 30, 35, 40. Harris to midfield. Here we go. He's at the 40. He's at the 30 with one man to be at the 20. 15, 10, 5. He dives for the end zone. Touchdown. It's a touchdown. It's an 80-yard glorious touchdown run for Cameron Harris. Wow, what a strike by Miami. King to throw. Off the right hash mark. Down the middle. Wide open. It's Jordan. He's at the five. He's into the end zone for a touchdown. Revan Jordan for a touchdown. 53 yards. High scoring game. 17th ranked Miami beats 18th ranked Louisville. The only battle of ranked teams this weekend. 47-34. The game that matters most to BYU fans. Troy. Routing Middle Tennessee 47 to 14. And Troy will be here Saturday night for the home opener against BYU. Gunner Watson, you like that name, PK? He's a quarterback, quarterback for Troy. Up. He's a quarterback for Troy. Gunner Watson. Yeah, I mean, I have no idea. He looked okay, but you know, what what's the opposition? How, right. How good is Middle Tennessee? It's, it's really, really hard for me to get into college football right now. I yeah. mean, I'm so regionally oriented, or at least the bigger teams. I don't want to be a bigger team snob because the men of Troy and Middle Tennessee and these teams that are out there, the, all these players are busting it. They're practicing. They're trying to do their best. So I have respect for all the college athletes, no matter what sport they're playing, because I know the amount of time and effort that they put into it. But i got to say, my fandom isn't that good although i did watch that dumb game because i feel like it was yeah. homework if i'm gonna watch something i mean why i mean not miami and and uh louisville weren't on at the same time but why not watch something to try to gain a little insight as yeah. far as troy because i don't know jack about troy until i watch that game 
The problem so, is man, that I got to watch it. Yeah, the problem is that Middle Tennessee has played twice and right. has gotten annihilated both times. Army beat them forty-two to nothing, and now Troy beat them forty-seven fourteen. Their defense is awful. Their offense might not be much either. I'm ag- I agree, <laughs> but the defense is a paper. A paper I, I mean, I, I, I don't want to be breaking down Middle Tennessee State I guys. I mean, that, I hear you. <laughs> so of the teams that aren't Power Five teams that look good, Central Florida did crush Georgia Tech 49-21. Central Florida currently ranked 14th. So you're looking for that's well and good. I mean, I did watch Navy and Tulane. I mean, that was a fun game. So at least it was something that killed my interest. I didn't think it was going to. I thought, man, Navy is just awful. And they had the great thrilling comeback and see Nia Montalolo high step it like he's a, a chubby Deion Sanders there when the uh, overtime ended. I mean, when the game ended, that was uh, that was fun. Clemson's still number one in the AP poll. Bama still hasn't played. The SEC still hasn't played a game yet. Part of that whole, you know, there haven't been a lot this of games. Week. The SEC hasn't played a game, and the Big 12 played one game. So there's been a little shortage. Of the 27 games this weekend, seven of them got canceled. So BYU up three spots from 21 to 18, and the Cougars are 23 in the coaches' poll. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. Padres clinch a playoff berth. Hadn't been in the postseason since 2006. It was the third longest streak in baseball, but they got three in the 11th inning, and they beat the Mariners 7-4. to four. So they are into the postseason. White Sox have also snapped a long postseason drought. They hadn't gone in 11 years. Those were the third and fourth longest streaks in baseball. But uh, both those teams are in now. And another one, the uh, the Marlins. The Mariners have the longest streak at 18 years. The Marlins are like 16. But they've Miami's got a chance to get in. And I don't think Mariners are going to do it. But Miami's in the mix. Got to have a good final week here to do it. But uh, I think they're sitting about sixth right now. So some streaks getting snapped, PK. People getting into the playoffs. Well, yeah. And I think the thing about it with the San Diego and the White Sox uh, – they had a really good shot to get in, irregardless of the number of games. Yes. I'm not so sure about Miami. Miami has been so bad that just the fact that they're around 500 is plenty good. That's progress for those guys because Jeter sure took a lot of heat a couple of years ago. So they're on a different level than uh, the other two, but the other two are really good. Yeah, uh, Miami, I just said sixth, and they are actually fifth, which, if they could hold on to fifth, would get them in. Now, they may fade and get in as six or seven, and that's kind of, you know, the format this year changes it. Uh, to your point, though, the Padres are playing over 600 ball at 630, and they are fourth. Um, well, actually, I mean, they're the second best record, but they're probably going to well, end up being the second best record. Right, second best record. Division, so they've got to be fourth. I right, imagine. exactly. And then for the White Sox, they're even better than the Padres. They're 34 yeah. 19 right now, playing 640 ball. That's, that's 100 win pace right there. That's probably 102 103 or something like that. Yeah, I think so. their schedule's been a little bit easier, though, with their regional. Yeah, and everybody, everybody's schedule is kind of odd this year, just playing inside the region. Um, but all those teams set up. And then uh, Justin Verlander, 37 years old. Felt something in his elbow, uh, Tommy John surgery, which will wipe out the last week of this season and expect all of next season the way Tommy John surgery tends to work. So you see him coming back in a year and a half, PK, or do you think we've just seen the last of a guy who it's not, I mean, he's 37, but he just won the Cy Young last year. 
<laughs> well, my thought is no, but at the same time, why have the surgery if you're not planning to come back? Yeah. DJ and PK. Golf. DJ to finish it off, Bill. And here we go. Up the hill for That's birdie. That's the wrong one. Go ahead. Golf. So the U.S. Open, all the drama drained out of that one, PK. Bryson DeChambeau, he got control of that tournament, and he could not be shaken. You're thinking, all right, no matter what happens, he's got a lead here. But, hey, we have seen, we've seen plenty of double bogeys between the rough and the greens. Double, bo- uh, double bogey is pretty unusual for the elite guys who really have it going on a Sunday and are near the top of the leaderboard. But not in this tournament, but... Man, no, no big numbers, no bogeys. He just brought it home with a seven pars in a row and, and won that thing. DeChambeau gets his first major title. Yeah, it was impressive. Impressive run by him. The big, uh, he looks like he's going to throw a chair at you in a ring or something. <laughs> I mean, he just looks like one of those wrestlers uh, that are oversized. Rip his shirt off, go Incredible Hulk on you and like the 15th green, just play the rest of the tournament shirtless. You know, Tom Hanks in the movie said there's no crying in baseball, but there's clearly crying in golf because we see it over and over again. When guys win, particularly if they win the first time, uh, they think and, they, and when they see their parents, now they put their parent, his parents on some type of uh, Zoom call, I guess. And so he was coming around the corner. He looks over, sees his mother and father on the television. And he starts crying. We've seen it a million times. Bubba Watson, particularly if he should have a parent die, you do that. We saw Tom, uh, Tiger, Woods Tiger Woods ball at the British yeah. Open. Uh, Bubba Watson, I just said. Yeah, it, it, and I really appreciate that because it is all the sacrifices that the parents made to get that individual to the point where he or she can win. And so the sentimental emotions just come flooding to the surface. And, I I can I can appreciate that. Well, Bob Casper on seven forty-five. He'll be coming up about twenty minutes. He really didn't think Dave Chambeau had a chance. We did our picks, and uh, he dismissed him. But uh, yeah, which really intimidated me because I was going to pick Chambeau. <laughs> he did. But after Casper said that, I, I let him intimidate me. I didn't want to. Don't do that. I didn't want to admit it, but guilty. My hands up. <laughs> Same thing. Like he's already yeah. made fun of one of my picks. I'm not picking Deschambeau and have him make fun of me again. <laughs> Mentally weak. I could have done it. Either one well, of us could have had a winner. He would logically be in the mix. I know. Yeah, he's one of the top ten golfers, and we got nine right. picks in our draft. So it would right. be surprising if he went. Right. All right. Well, well, we'll call Bob on the carpet for that. I guess good work by Bob, though, right? He didn't want to pick him, but he p- bullied us into not picking him. So at least he didn't win, but he didn't lose because none of us won. His text back to me was, who picked Bryson? <laughs> All right, DJ and PK. Hashtag RSL. RSL beating it home again. Bad home results piling up. A 2-1 loss to Vancouver. Kyle Beckerman, a red card early in the second half. I got to say, PK, I was surprised he wasn't subbed out at halftime. He already had a yellow, and he doesn't get the benefit of the doubt from referees. He's yelled too many obscenities at too many refs over the years. They don't mind giving him a card at all. Seemed like he was playing with fire. Dunny said something about taking him out right before he got that yellow and the second one. Down a man, RSL tied it up, but they end up losing. Now they got the Galaxy coming in Wednesday night. And the Utah Royals get beaten Portland. Uh, they had an assistant coach running the club, Craig Harrington. Uh, administrative leave along with one of the assistants. Uh, 
allegations of, uh, I, I talked to two people who said it was more along the lines of bullying, but one of them said there was some type of inappropriate language, not with players, but with the staff. Maybe it was in front of players. I don't know that level of detail. But anyways, there's an investigation into that. The turmoil continues inside that organization as the uh, ownership search continues as well. Well, not just an assistant running the Royals, a Sun Devil running the Royals. Let's just get that straight. <laughs> get that straight. Uh, yeah. Man, Forks up. You, you, I got to learn about Terry Stotts, the referee. His name was mentioned quite a bit uh, the other night there in the second half. Our social should have been up about nine by halftime, but they weren't. And then I got to say, Dave, and, I, and I, you know how much I love soccer. What's that guy's name? Toya? Johnny Toya. He can't go down and scream like that and then not even come out of the game. That gives soccer a bad name. You got to bounce back up. Rolled his ankle. He's over there screaming and crying. And then he doesn't miss any. He didn't even come out of the game. Yep. You guys got to. You got that rep of being a little bit soft. And you got to get tougher. Might have been trying to work on a red card there to even that game up 10 v 10. But you can't do that in this sport. You, you got American. I, I, it bothers me. It's bad enough that you got to say the score's leveled. That's a European term. The score's friggin' tied. But you can't scream and yell. If you want to sell the call, fine. But don't be over there screaming and crying like crazy. And then, but, but you got it because the, the field's game. big and there's one no, left and he's forty no. yards away. You don't have. You know, if you want to Americanize it, which <laughs> is the goal, don't do that. Well, I can't wait till we get Riley Jensen on this week. <laughs> Tanner? <laughs> Ethan? <laughs> Sterling? <laughs> I got to ask him about it, and I'm looking forward to it. What is trending? Brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. Receive a free reverse osmosis system with the purchase of any water softener at Shamrock Plumbing. 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. All right, coming up, we'll talk with Bob Casper here in about 15 minutes now. Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider at 8 o'clock on the NBA playoffs. Jordan Pendleton is here to talk football. Owner of Performance One, a former BYU linebacker. Talk college football with him. As a guy who works people out, I'm curious, PK, and as a guy who's played, I'm curious what he thinks of the, the Pac-12 and how much time they need to get back from the teams like ASU and Utah that have been able to do stuff so they're not coming from you know, square one. There's a team like Stanford that sent their players home and they're scattered all over the country, so who knows what guys are doing. We'll talk well, with Jordan why, about that. That's why, I re- that's why I requested having him on. See? Good thinking by you. Jordan Pendleton at 8.30, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Let's go! The Big Show. It's a big with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. John Canzano is with us. With all the changeover in presidents and chancellors across the league over the last 10 years or so, where is Larry Scott's support coming from? Yeah, he's lost a ton of support. When the presidents 10 years ago were told, hey, you're going to get $20 million a year in your media rights deal, they went, great, that's awesome. They weren't looking over at the SEC and going, wait a minute, they're getting $30 million? I think the New Guard presidents have a better understanding. I don't think Larry's got the support to get an extension. I think it's evident when they do those Zoom videos or conference calls. Back in the day, it was Larry up front by himself. Not anymore. They're putting doctors alongside of him, other ADs alongside of him. That tells me they don't have confidence in him, and I think they will make a change. The Big Show, weekdays from 2 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. 
DJ and PK brought to you in part by Syringa Networks. Syringa is home to complete business telecom and IT solutions. Backed by an industry-leading SLA that guarantees the uptime your business needs, it's effective communications for 21st century Utah. Get started now at syringanetworks.net. Question of the morning's up on our Facebook page. Pac-12, return to play. There's going to be a meeting Thursday. What are they going to decide? Some conference apparently want to play, uh, some of the conference members want to play on Halloween. Some might want to play October 24th. There are others that are saying November 7th. What should the Utes do? That is the question of the morning. <laughs> Shane, they should get cracking. No G, that's an apostrophe. Get cracking. I agree. <laughs> Shane sounds like my grandpa. Get cracking. Yeah, I'm all I'm all for it, man. It seems like that's the way it's going. I know you said November, but wouldn't you think October 31? Or you still think it's going to be November 7? Well, I said mine was I'd be shocked if they weren't playing football in November. I did not, by that statement, say Didn't mean that it would start date. then. No. I, said, I just said that my information that I had received was that they were going to play in November. That's what was told to me, not in terms of, hey, we're going to start on the 7th. So I didn't. That there's no reference to starting time. This is all new information. I didn't really pursue actual starting time uh, and the line of questioning. Uh, and this is all stuff that's come out in the last couple of days. So, in, you know, because I did not know that the, at the time that the Big Ten was going to go on the 24th, that that's new uh, that's revelations from based on my information when I made that statement a couple of weeks ago. Now that that's all come out, uh, if you can go, go. Jeff says they should schedule Utah State and Boise State to fill the space until the California teams can pull it together. There's uh, thinking here that Stanford is the real break on this uh, on this whole train here, having closed the campus, all the students are online, the players were sent home that they'll need the most time, and that they are the most reluctant here to go. So if it's not going to be until November 7th, could the other schools play a couple of non-conference games? i got to say that would surprise me, PK, off everything we've heard. I have heard a staggered start for the, the conference schedule, uh, you know, with some teams uh, having bye weeks to move games into, that that might be a possibility. Um, it would... Uh, I'd I'd be up for a Utah Utah State or Utah Boise State game. I just that that seems like a bridge too far here. Playing non conference games, I'd be surprised by that. Well, based on I'd be up for a Utah Chico State game. I don't really care who it is. The better the opponent, obviously, the the more interest and and more excitement. I guess maybe not interest, uh, but I think the non conference games come into play if Stanford says we don't want to go. Then at that, then you got point, eleven teams, and you need a twelfth. Yeah. yeah. Then at that point, then I think you allow the conferences individual members to branch out. If Stanford and Cal, even if there's an even amount of uh, teams that uh, opt out or opt in, then to me that changes the whole concept of just only exclusively conference games. If Stanford doesn't want to play, don't play. I mean, it's. You know, that's fine for you, and that's fine for me, but I just have the feeling that, that, that the conferences see it as an all or nothing. There's been, there was a ton written and said about Nebraska, right? Nebraska can't go play independent because the Big Ten's not playing. Well, 
Why not? And now there's a bunch of stuff written about well, Rutgers really doesn't want to play. And I get odd, the odd number could, could be an issue, right? But if two teams didn't want to play, I don't see what the big deal is. Especially well, as far-flung as conferences are now. You know, everybody's got different situations. If you don't want to play, all right, it's a weird But it's year either all-conference or it's not. And once it's not all-conference, then the rules of all-conference are done with. They're over. Break from that. And yet somehow it feels to me like it's going to be 12 or 0 just the way it was going to be 14 or 0 in the Big Ten. Yeah, but yeah. we don't. You and I don't think like conference presidents think. Where if it's like if it's eight or ten out of twelve or fourteen, all right, play ball. If that's what works, that's what works. But it seems like they don't want to go there. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Thursday we'll find out different, and then you know, it'll be ten out of twelve or something. All right, DJ and PK, we got to take a break. When we come back, U.S. Open with Bob Casper, Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider on the playoffs at the top of the hour, and. Football return to play with Jordan Pendleton, owner of Performance One, the former BYU linebacker, at 8.30. Stay with us. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. The Pac-12 will move on regardless of what California and Oregon schools are able to do. It's not a matter of if, it's just when. Is it going to be October? Is it going to be early November? Is it going to be mid to late November? And i got to think with the Big Ten, with their announcement today, Pac-12 has to make the announcement quick if they want to get in on college football playoff in New Year's Six games. You can't, okay, well, let's get a bunch of Zoom meetings and try to figure this out. No, you got to go. Whether California can go or not, it doesn't matter. You got to go. And that's there is a lot of urgency right now because if the Pac-12 starts in mid to late November, what are you playing for? What are you doing? Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, time to talk U.S. Open with Bob Casper. He joins, joins us on the T-Mobile special guest line. T-Mobile and Sprint are coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. Bob Casper, I have a bone to pick with you. You do? Yes! You made fun of my pick. And then you mocked Bryson DeChambeau. You intimidated PK and I into not picking it. I didn't want to use my third-round pick on DeChambeau. <laughs> I couldn't believe he was still on the board, but after you poo-pooing him. And then you were wrong. He not only won, he lapped the field. Bob, what did Bryson DeChambeau do that you clearly did not expect? Uh, I didn't expect him to be able to play the golf course, hitting it in the rough. Um but, you know, that's, uh, I guess that's the old mindset now. Um, you know, uh, here's a guy that that played some great golf, shot three rounds in the 60s, and uh, and an even par round in the third par round, and was able to win the golf tournament by six shots. But let's not forget, in 2000, Tiger Woods won the U.S. Open at, uh, at Pebble Beach, and he won by 15 shots. Um and, you know, guys come along every once in a while that put it all together in one given week. And uh, Bryson was able to do that this week um, where he was able to win the U.S. Open this last week. Um, you know, the week before or two weeks before that, he struggled at Eastlake hitting it in the rough because of the Bermuda rough and the ball going deep down all the way to the ground. So, um Depends on the week. It depends on how he plays. Depends on how he putts. 
Um, but I didn't see this coming, and unfortunately, uh, I didn't pick him either. So the players were commenting, and I was listening, or reading actually, not listening, but reading a lot of stuff on uh, the McElroy's uh, opinion uh-huh. of it. Uh, and Ian Poulter, uh, he's not my cup of tea, but, you know, he still won it. So uh, I'm wondering what you think the the feeling is among the players and DeChambeau, the way he is going about playing the game and what he's done to be able to play it the way he plays it? Well, uh, you know, I, it's interesting. All these guys, all these guys work out hard. They, they uh, practice hard. They do it in a more conventional way than what you see with Bryson. Bryson's all of his irons, every single one of his irons in his bag is the same length from his, from his three iron or two iron all the way to his pitching wedge and sand wedge. They're all the same length. They're all the, the length of a six iron. Um, that's just one of the ways he's looked at it. His grips are big, huge grips, almost like a baseball bat. Um, and, and you know, uh, he was going along in the game, winning golf tournaments, you know, maybe about one a year or whatever. Um, and then he comes back uh, during the offseason at the beginning of the year, and he's, and he's bigger. And then when we have the COVID shutdown, he comes back and he's 20 pounds bigger um, and stronger and hitting the ball crazy distances longer and, um, and ends up coming back and doing some, some great things. Um, I think he's just pushing the envelope a little bit. Um, we see a lot of these guys that have pretty standard swings. They've learned the game a certain way. And it's, it's now as you're teaching juniors or, or as your, um, um, as you're teaching your, your kids and letting your kids get into the game and stuff, um, a lot of people are saying now, teach them how to swing as hard as they can and, um, and hit it as far as they can because the golf, because face it, the game of golf has, has made a change and, um, and guys are guys are stronger. They're more athletic. They hit the ball further. Um, it's just Bryson does it in a in a little bit in a lot different way than than a lot of those guys are doing. I mean, he didn't hit it the furthest this week. Um, there were guys that hit it, drove it further than him. He only he hit less than fifty percent of his fairways, but he was able to hit it far enough down there that he could take advantage of. Um, shorter uh shorter clubs into greens and that kind of thing and be able to still score so is this uh the new world order and this is the way things are going to be or they're going to change the technology in the golf ball and rein some of these guys in a little bit or we're going to see narrow tree-lined holes well that'll take years for those trees to grow so what's going to happen here well, you know, the USGA and the RNA are the governing bodies in the game of golf, and they're, they're working on a, a, distance, uh, a distance study right now that, uh, you know, I don't know what the study's going to show. It's going to show that, you know, guys are definitely hitting it further now than they, than they were. But, you know, if you rein the ball back, you're reining the ball back for everybody, and guys that don't hit it far – are, are put at that much more of a disadvantage. It's not going to change anything 
because the long hitters are going to still be hitting that long. The short hitters are going to still be hitting it short. I think what they need to do possibly is uh, create the golf ball is so aerodynamic right now that it doesn't spin as much. I think they need to put a little bit more, make require a little more spin back in the golf ball. So then a guy that swings 120 miles an hour that that bombs it out there is going to have to control the ball a little bit more, and and he's going to have to uh, going to back off, have to back off on his swing and not just go at it as hard as possible. Yeah, changing the ball doesn't make any sense. That's like the argument. Well, tall players are dominating basketball, so let's re- yeah. make the rim yeah. eleven feet. You just the tall players are still going to have the advantage, so there's really no point in doing that. Uh, in terms of shortening the distance because it's all relative and everybody else's right. distance will still be the distance between me and DeChambeau will still be the same. Yep. It'll just be longer from the hole. So I'm wondering, too, how many changes or what you think about changes to the actual golf courses to not put those guys in the position to be able to reward them as much if they're not hitting the fairways. Well, you know, the golf courses, you know, now everybody says, well, you got to, you got to build longer golf courses, and I don't know if that's necessarily the case. Um, you know, we saw at Marion a few years ago when they played the U.S. Open at Marion, where um, Justin Rose won. Guys, you know that golf course is about seven thousand yards. The golf course that we that they played this last week was seventy five hundred yards. Um, next year's U.S. Open at uh, Torrey Pines is going to be about seventy seven hundred yards. Um, at, at what point do you do you continue to go and um, go further and further and further? Uh, I, I think Mary, one of the things that was great about Marion was at 7,000 yards, it would, the golf course was tight. It required guys to, um, to think about where they were going to hit the ball, how they were going to hit the ball in the greens, that kind of thing. Um, and it was, and it was really tree lined. So I, I, you know, I don't know, I don't know where where the the jump off point is. It's uh, um, it's just we're we're just at a unique place right now in the game of golf, and uh, and the and the game is changing. It's it's and and, and that happens. Um, it changed when Tiger Woods came along, um, and uh, it uh, it changed when Jack Nicklaus came along. It changed during Bobby Jones's era. Those are all things that happen. Those are all kind of milestones, and and this is going to be this is going to be interesting to see how it how it plays out. What about putting features on uh, on a golf course? You know, you see these. Uh, do guys handle the fairway bunkers as easily as they handle the deep rough? Um, do you you know the pot bunkers that we see on these uh, courses in the British Open? I mean, there's other stuff you can do, but it seems outside the norm of what we expect out of a golf course here in the U.S. Well, fairway bunkers, for the most part, guys can play out of, um, and uh, especially if they're flat. If they're big and deep, then then that's a different story. Then it becomes more of a hazard. And big and deep bunkers in the fairways, um, pot bunkers in the fairways, like you see in uh, British Open, uh, Rota Golf Courses, British Isles, and that kind of thing. Those those are basically a one shot penalty for driving it into those. So um, maybe that's that's a way they could, I guess, um, 
put some put some more difficulty in, but they're going to have to put those fairway bunkers further further down the fairway because guys are hitting it so long that they're carrying it 330 yards, and uh, so they've got they've got to be able to be in play for them to be a detriment. So this Wolf kid who had the lead on Saturday, that swing. Uh-huh. I'm going to analyze it for you. I'm going to make an analogy. Tell me what you think of it. I think the swing is part Jim Furyk and part John Travolta on the dance floor in Saturday Night Fever. <laughs> well, that's, you know, um, that's a pretty good analysis of it. Um, uh, you know, and Jim Furyk, of course, went on the win this week. He's played two uh, PGA, PGA Tour Champions events, and he's won two PGA Tour Champions events. Um, he won a couple of beats this week. So, um, yeah, you know, what, what works for you doesn't work for everybody else. Um, it's what he's always done and how he's always played. And Matthew Wolf has won um, the NCAA championship. Um, he's won great major golf tournaments. He's won once on the PGA Tour already. Um, and, uh, and he's con- going to continue to play extremely well on the PGA Tour just because he hits it long and uh, and he's a great competitor. So, unfortunately, he had a bad round, um, but Bryson DeChambeau was the cream of the crop um, this last week and the only guy to shoot under par. Now, as far as the golf course is, con- is concerned, the golf course played phenomenal last week. You're talking about an anomaly with Bryson DeChambeau because everybody else shot even par or worse um, after for 72 holes, that's the way the golf course was set up to be um, for for the U.S. Open Championship. Bryson DeChambeau was able to take advantage of it, and that's why he shot six under par. Now that he's got one major, is he a guy who's going to pile up a couple more? Um, yeah, I think he will. Um, it's pretty interesting that he already came out and said that uh, he's thinking about going to a 48-inch driver before the Masters and putting on 15 more pounds of muscle before he goes to the Masters in November. Um, you know, at one point, do you keep pushing that envelope? Um, you know, he, he's got the special sauce, so to speak, right now. Why, why try to push it even further? But that's the kind of guy that he is. But, yeah, I think he'll win other major championships. Um, you know, he, along with Tiger Woods and Jack Nichols, are the only guys now that have won the NCAA championship, the U.S. Amateur, and the U.S. Open, those they're the only three players to have done that. So Bryson DeChambeau is in some pretty um, rare air with with uh, the greats in the game right now. I say, with the three of us, we ought to have a bet. Who could put on the most weight between now and the Masters? <laughs> I beat you there too. <laughs> hey, hey! Don't dismiss me like that. I will not be disrespected. Oh, oh, that's pretty funny, PK. I like that. I'll start throwing down pasta four times okay, a day. But, okay, but I got a question for you. Overall, what? who would have won this week between us three? Well, you. You're the best player of the three. We're not denying that. No, I'm. I'm. I'm talking about our picks. Oh, 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 oh. Well, if you wouldn't have intimidated us, we one of us would have put in shape. Oh, oh if I wouldn't have intimidated. So I, oh, well, I, 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 and I, hey, if you know me, acknowledging somebody intimidated me is like the worst thing I can acknowledge. <laughs> I guess I'm the big bully on the block, huh? 
You you did yeah. You totally just made me nervous, and I didn't do it. I was going to because, as DJ said earlier, he's a top ten player in the world. Of course, one of us would pick him, but you intimidated yeah. me, and I'm embarrassed. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I guess I did. He's <laughs> and you don't want to deal with that. Oh, <laughs> I say. All All right, right, I think Bob. I won, Dustin. Du- no, you won, Sh- uh, Shoffley. Yep, Shoffley was plus four, Dustin plus five, and yeah. I also had Justin Thomas and Webb Simpson at plus six. So yeah, yeah. yeah. And Tony finished plus six. Got him. Got another top ten. That's right. seven. That's seven top tens in his last ten major championships. Tony's going to break through here pretty soon. All right, we're all ready for that. That'll be a yep. party. I remember when Mike Weir won. That was a party. We were we were over the other place doing radio, and they brought him through because he came he came to the Wasatch Front for a celebration. And I just remember it was like, wow, this is like closest thing yep. I've seen to the Beatles since uh, Jordan and the Bulls were in town. There were so many people at that radio station wanting to get a glimpse of of him, and yeah, it was crazy. That was fun. Yeah, it really was. It was a good yep. time, even if I was back in row thirty two and had a bad view. It was still fun. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Bob. All right, guys. Take care. All right. DJ and PK, Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider, coming up next. Stay with us.